Hello everyone, I'm Pastor Rick Hawkins of Quest Church in Norman, Oklahoma. I want to thank you all for joining us today. This podcast is going to be informative, insightful, and inspirational for your life. Listen every week because we'll have a special word just for you. Ephesians 6, we'll go to verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not, I'm going to read that again, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Go back over the last two Wednesdays. You'll learn all about that. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you might be able to withstand in the evil day. And I believe we're living in that evil day right now. If we're not, I'd hate to see what that evil day looks like. And having done all to stand, say it with me, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you stand able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. We're going to take our text out of verse number 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. Somebody say the whole armor of God. That you might be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand. We're going to talk this morning on the topic, armed and ready. Armed and ready. Look at your neighbor and tell him, I'm armed and ready. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you this morning. We've come to you many times. First, we came to you in praise because we know that you inhabit the praises of your people. Then we came to you in worship because we worship only you. And we worship in spirit and truth. And if that's the only reason we came, that's why we came, to worship you. God, we honored you with our giving. And right now we're ready to receive your word. God, I thank you that you've empowered us to defeat the enemy. I thank you that you've empowered us for purpose. I thank you that you've empowered us to be forceful and violent because the violent take it by force. I thank you that that's all spiritual and it's not of flesh And it's not of blood, but God, it's spiritual. And so we ask for a spiritual experience this morning. Speak to us. Our hearts are ready. Our minds are ready. We pray that strongholds are torn down, that imaginations are pushed back, that devils run and flee, that people are set free, that there's deliverance that happens in the room. There's breakthrough on the horizon. God, we know, we trust, we stand on your word. We have expectancy for it. We have faith for it. We believe for it. God, right now, I would personally ask you to help me. 
You've loaded me down with word. I don't want to belabor the point, but God, I do want to get it out. Help me to get it out clearly and saying just what you'd have me to say. We give you glory in everything, and we have expectancy in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Can you put your hands together and give God praise one more time? You may be seated. Quick review, and then we'll get into it. First thing I want to say is awareness is the beginning of understanding. Awareness is the beginning of understanding. For some reason, God has chosen this moment, this time, this season, and this church to release this word to. Awareness is the beginning of understanding. To neglect the awareness that God is speaking to you and your family would be highly negligent. Because if God chose to release it right now, right here, that means you have a big part to play. That means some of the fights you've been fighting, some of the devils you've been dealing with that you didn't even know were devils, some of the obstacles in behavior and life patterns and addictions that you thought would never break, God's brought it to a breaking point. He's ready to see those things expelled from your life. He's ready to see them expelled from your household. He's ready to see them expelled from your family lineage. Why? Because he sent you here for such a time as this to shift a culture that is completely jacked up. It doesn't change. It doesn't shift unless you take it personally. Awareness is the beginning of understanding. What does it mean, this word? How do I engage with what God is speaking? What do I need to learn? Here's the important one. What do I need to unlearn? Why is it so important? What's my role in all of this? Pastor Rick says understanding is the ability to, to, to understanding is the ability to see how every event, encounter, and experience in your life relates to a far greater picture. What I just told you is God doesn't send anything your way without having a purpose for it. Jesus said what you understand. He said this in Matthew 13 when he's sharing the parable of the seed and the sower. That what you understand cannot be taken from you. Too often we come in here and we learn and we gain knowledge but we lack understanding. So by Monday we've already lost what God is trying to get to us. Understanding, understanding, very simply what you understand is a foundation or it's a foothold for which you can stand firmly upon. It sets up under you. One of the problems with our educational system is that it has become a race to see who can memorize the best. Education system has become a, a, a practice of memorization. We're trying to indoctrinate kids and youth and college students with ideas and philosophies and equations that they memorize and they lack understanding. Yes. 
That's why our younger generation has a propensity to go after things that are ungodly. Or to buy into the ideas that society sends our way that we know are contrary to God's word. The devil isn't playing the short game. The devil has been playing the long game for quite a while. He knows that if you gain understanding regarding who God sent you in this earth to be, he's in a lot of trouble. We program the next generation to take our word for it. And they perpetuate a narrative of the world system. Awareness is the beginning of understanding. An example would be generational curses versus generational consequences. We've heard pastor teach on this. I won't belabor it. But the difference between a generational curse and a generational consequence is a generational consequence is the result of generational behavior. So you did something and there's a consequence for it. That's how God's principles work. Too often God's people think they're under the judgment and wrath of God and God's angry with them and really they're just suffering a consequence of a bad decision. A generational curse is when there's a spirit that gets up behind a generation or a family lineage that plagues them and keeps them locked into a behavior or a cycle that they can't break free from. See, what happens is we get caught in this cycle and we start at a point and we go around the cycle. And as we come back to this point, it intensifies. We feel like we might be shedding it. We feel like we might be letting go of the behavior. We feel like we might be finding some freedom. And we get to this point and everything seems to re-intensify. And what happens is we get caught back in the circle. And what God's trying to bring us to is a point where we get back to that point and we break free from it. And we begin to gain progress. Movement doesn't denote progress. You can be walking in a circle, and that's a lot of movement. That's a lot of action. But you're caught in a cycle. You're not actually going anywhere. And what happens is if you walk that circle long enough, you begin to create a rut in the ground. A rut in the ground. What a rut is is when you, when you pass by a certain place over and over and over again, it creates a path. You see this with deer. You see this with cattle. But if you do it long enough, it gets deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And before you're aware of it, it's over your head and you don't even know how to get up out of it. That's a generational curse. Being aware of this brings under, gives you the pathway to understanding. Once you come to understanding, then you know that you have the power within your life to break free from that generational curse. Because it is not a consequence of your action. It's a spirit that needs to be beat back off your family and off your lineage. Awareness is the beginning of understanding. Now, something I want to bring to light right at the forefront of this is that this is a spiritual battle. Yes, I'm going to let that rest for a minute. Because our language from the pulpit for the last five, six weeks has been very aggressive. Yes. And I don't want you to misunderstand that we war not against flesh and blood. They are spiritual matters. The problem in society is we're taking it to flesh and blood and we're not dealing with the spirit behind the thing. 
2 Corinthians 10, verse 5, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Casting down every high thing. If it's got pride associated with it, it is a high thing. If it's bringing attention to you, it's a high thing. Just because you tag Jesus' name on it doesn't mean it's the action of the Holy Ghost. Demons are proud. Lucifer got cast out of heaven for one thing, his pride. He thought more highly of himself than he ought to think. And he got cast down. People of God, we've got to be careful that we don't take pride in our, in our supernatural endowment of the Holy Spirit. Because it's not power of ourselves. It's power given to us of the Holy Spirit. And when we start drawing attention to ourselves over the matter, we're in bad, bad places. Because we're re-engaging, we're, we're, re we're rehearsing, we're practicing the ways of the enemy. He doesn't care, like the Pastor Dick says, what church you go to. He just cares if you go to the right church. He doesn't care if, you've, if you feel like you've got an anointing on your life to do a certain thing. You probably do. You probably do have that awareness. Lucifer was anointed to bring praise. Lucifer was created beautifully. Lucifer was the highest angel in heaven. Yes, he was, but he took pride in that. And he thought that that made him bigger, better, and his agenda was more important than what God was doing. And it got him cast out, casting down imaginations. I didn't plan to touch on any of that, but I felt it. And so I felt like I needed to say it. Imaginations. Pastor Rick shared this. I'm going I'm to zoom real, through this real quick because he taught so good on it. Imaginations, it, 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 it means sophistry. Sophistries. Go to, go to Wednesday night's teaching. You'll learn all about it. What is a sophistry? The practice of using clever arguments that sound convincing but are in fact false. The practice of using clever arguments that sound convincing but are in fact false false that's what the devil does he takes the word of God he manipulates it he tells it to you and then you think that that's the word of God or that's a clever behavior or that's something we can accept that's not truth make sure you know truth don't buy into every lie you've been told this is important because it is our responsibility to change this weak lethargic anemic culture that has become so pervasive in the body of Christ we complain about our culture we complain about the wickedness we see we complain about the the crazy behavior and ideas that are being shouted at us from all angles and we do absolutely nothing about it well, you don't know who I voted for. I did something about it. What does that have to do with anything? You're a child of God before you're an American or anything else. And your number one responsibility is to the spiritual kingdom of God. And that's what you should be working toward. Dealing with those spirits is what changes a thing. Not dealing with that person. That person is loved by God as much as you are, no matter what you think. No matter how crazy they act, no matter how wild they might be, no matter how wicked they may behave. God loves them just like he loves you. 
It's the spirit up behind it that you need to be speaking against. We have people sitting in churches, enjoying church services, watching these beautiful production services we call worship and really they're concerts. And we're not engaging anybody in the pew to do anything about it. The purpose of this series, the fire that Pastor Rick lit up under us is for one reason. It's time to change the spiritual climate of this region and make a difference in the heavenly places. That's review. Let's jump into this text. Let's jump into this text. Finally, my brethren, finally, finally. It's a big word in the Greek. If you read it in secular Greek transcripts, even in the Bible, anytime this particular Greek word is used, it means, okay, I said everything to say this. This is the most important part of the matter. If you forget everything else, remember this. So when Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus, which, by the way, the spiritual and cultural climate of Ephesus was crazy. It looked a lot like today. The difference is they didn't have social media and TV and Internet and all that other stuff. But it was wild. And it was crazy, and he was concerned about them. And so he tells them, if you forget everything I told you, do not miss this. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm armed and ready. There's an old church song I used to like. Uh, 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 I think James Cleveland sang it. I'm a soldier. Remember that? Army of the Lord, I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. In the army. See, we, we said it. That'll take you to church. And that was fun. And it's fun. But we missed that. Point number one, you are a soldier in the army of the Lord. He drafted you into that army. The Bible tells us that he enrolled us as a soldier in his army. A couple things about a soldier I want to bring to light here. Soldiers are trained and ready. Soldiers are trained and ready. Without awareness, there's no readiness. Without awareness, there's no readiness. If you're unaware, you're certainly not ready. Ready literally means, and I got this from Webster, completely prepared or in fit condition for immediate action or use. Immediate action or use. Duly equipped, completed, adjusted, arranged, as for an occasion or purpose. God hasn't, you remember Bishop Jakes would preach, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. It was a prophetic cry unto the people of God that something's coming and we better be 
be ready. Be ready. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, we like to use this scripture when talking about preaching or studying. Be instant, in season, and out of season. That word instant, if you translate it, define it, literally means be ready. In season and out of season. Ask, ask your neighbor, are you ready? Are you ready? Ready at a moment's notice. Ready at a moment's notice. A soldier is always ready. A soldier is always ready. I'm proud to say I got a soldier in my family. My son, Maverick, he's part of the United States Air Force. And I'm proud of that young man. I'm proud of that young man. When he went off to basic training, he was chest out, ready to go. Oh, I got this, Dad. Got this, Dad. Then I didn't hear from him for a few weeks because they don't let him call home for the first couple weeks. When I finally hear from him, Dad, get me home, Dad. Dad, get me home. Why? Because the, the military knows they got to put you through intense training to make sure that you're ready when you come up out of there. They got that thing to a science, man. You go for eight weeks, you come out ready. You're ready to go to work. Not only do you do your basic training, then you got to go to technical training. Because now you got a specific job to do. And so now you got to go to a different place with different experts so that you can learn your job. And then from there you go start your job and you think you're about to get with it. No, now there's another 8 to 15 weeks of training on the job. Because you got to know your spot. And depending on what your job is, some are more intense than others. What I just told you is sometimes life ain't no fun. Sometimes life feels tight. Sometimes it feels like a lifetime of getting beat and beat and beat and beat and beat. And how do you not know that God intended every one of those failures, every one of those falls, every one of those losses, God was training you to get ready for your moment. Soldiers go through training because they have to be ready at a moment's notice. My son could get the call today at any moment. Son, we're going. And he has to be ready. A soldier is ready at a moment's notice. The second thing about a soldier is they know how to keep rank. Step on a few toes on this one, but I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. A soldier knows how to keep rank. They know from the get-go. As a matter of fact, that's pretty much the whole first part of basic training, right? To break you down. To make sure you don't, you're not that important. You're not that special. You're not that high-minded. Just because you're in great shape don't mean nothing. You're going to learn to keep rank. You're going to learn to keep rank. They know their role, and they know their place. They know their role, and they know their place. There's something so powerful in watching soldiers march in cadence. You know, we've seen it on TV. We've seen it maybe in some parades or whatever. But, man, I got to go to my son's graduation. I'm talking about my son a lot this morning. I'm sorry. Uh, but I, I went to his graduation for basic training. And down there at Lackland, the, the stadium for the, for the graduation is huge. 
And it's outside, and there's this huge, huge uh, concrete area where they're coming in. And they're all a long distance away. And, and before they come out, you can kind of see them under the, uh, the little bunks or barracks, whatever is over there. You can kind of see them. And, and, and they don't look like there's, a, uh, there's many of them. And then all of a sudden, they come yes. marching out. Yes. And there's just this overwhelming crowd of soldiers. They're only eight weeks in. And these boys are in step. I can't even, I can't do it. If he was here, I'd make him get up here and do it. But just boom. Every step, boom. And they're talking to each other. When, when the commanding officer says something, boom, they, they say it back. If they say to start a, a little, uh, what are they, that little, little cadence song they do, then all of them together, loud, loud. And then they all get in rank and file. In their place. They stand. They're at attention. It's amazing to see. And then the, the commanding officer or the, or, or the senior officer will get up there behind the podium and say uh, something to the effect of they'll have to do the Air Force Creed or whatever. And then when these boys start and women start crying out that Air Force Creed, you believe it. You believe it because they say it with all their heart. I have a video of my son. It looks like the veins are popping out of his head. And he's just yelling because it's in him. But they know how to stay in cadence. They're in step. They practice staying together. They practice following instructions. Get in rank. Look at your name and say, get in rank. When you're under authority, it provides you an authority you wouldn't otherwise have. I'm going to say that again. When you're under authority, it provides you with authority that you wouldn't otherwise have. The reason soldiers have authority is because they're under authority. Church people don't like that. Not no more. I'm my own man. I'm my own woman. I got my own walk with the Lord. You should. Have your own walk with the Lord. But there is such a thing as spiritual authority. God gave some to the church. Apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, pastors. Because there's the expectation that we get up under that. Why? Because they are for the purpose of equipping the saints, you and me, to do the work of the ministry. But we don't like to get under no more. Numbers, I think it's chapter 19, says that an uncovered vessel is unclean. When the Bible talks about vessels, he's talking about you and me. He's talking about people. An uncovered vessel is unclean. Why? So that you can be under somebody's hand? No. So you can be under somebody's foot? No. If that vessel is not covered, then everything inside the vessel is susceptible to whatever's in the environment. When you get under spiritual authority, submit yourself to a pastor, submit yourself to a husband, submit yourself to a mother, submit yourself to a father. You get up under spiritual authority, you get covered, and all this craziness in our, in our environment can't get inside your vessel.
I'm going to skip a lot of this. The power of the military is order that begins in submission. See, here's the deal, though. The enemy understands that. The enemy understands that, and they do it great. The devil learned how to keep his angels in order when he was in heaven. And if he didn't have order amongst those demons, then it wouldn't be written the way it was written. There's principalities, and there's rulers, and there's spiritual wickedness. And why? Because there's a rank and file to it. They're in order. They know that if they stay in order, they're going to be successful in their efforts. They remain in order so that they can create disorder. Look at your neighbor and say, get in rank. James 4.4. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world, ooh, makes himself an enemy of God. Ooh. That one will just slap you right upside the head, that one. Now, what we like to do as religious people is tag the world as people. But we wrestle not. Right? What is the world? Cosmos. The world systems. Governments. Philosophies. It's a systematic order or a corporate mindset. The world. Therefore, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 3, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Here's the key. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier to begin with. Stop going after the world's agenda. Don't get entangled in that. It's going to produce anxiety. It's going to produce frustration. It's going to produce anger. And the devil's over in the corner smiling at you the whole time. And you stand on the platform of this is right. No matter what side. So that you can proclaim that. We don't do that. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. And I don't want to get ahead of myself. But we stand for what the Bible says is right and wrong. And that's what we stand for. Not going to get many amens because you want to support your candidate. But, but I don't support a candidate. I support the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the kingdom I'm trying to advance is his kingdom, not any other kingdom. Amen. We're a soldier in the army of the Lord. And we're suited for battle. Put on the whole armor of God. I'm running out of time, so I don't want to go too long. Put on the whole armor of God. Paul is so awesome in the way he writes to each of these churches. He's very, he's very specific and educated in everything he's saying to them. 
very purposeful in the words he uses. And he instructs us to put on the whole armor of God. In the Greek, it literally means full and complete. It's the picture of a Roman soldier walking out fully dressed for battle. The whole armor. And I think he was very keen to use the word whole in this scripture or as he's writing this letter because he knows the tendencies of believers. Because we got a bunch of saints out there running around with a helmet and ain't got nothing else on. And they got that helmet on because it's got that big feather down the middle like that. And it looks cool and draws attention to you. But you ain't got nothing. You look foolish because you ain't got nothing. Or they're running around with a sword cutting up everybody but ain't got nothing else on. They're carrying around that shield but they ain't got nothing behind it. They ain't wearing a belt, and every time they walk around, their pants are falling down. Because they ain't got no truth in their life. Put on the whole armor of God. The whole armor of God. When Pastor Rick challenged me to to speak on this uh, uh, particular topic, I got intimidated, and I'm going to tell you why. Because as a kid, I learned about the armor of God. We did the marching in children's church and all that. We even had the props and all that. And and I learned about it in children's church. And it's a very fundamental uh, idea in scripture that if you were raised in church, you know a lot about. And most of the time what we do is we take it for granted because we did learn about it in children's church or as young people. And it is such a fundamental part. But we take it for granted. But And because we take it for granted, we don't take it seriously. And I got intimidated because I had to challenge myself. Son, are you waking up? Are you, exactly, are you ready? Are you wearing this whole get up? Are you getting with it? I had to challenge myself. What are you doing? Are you walking out on the battlefield looking like a fool? You got your breastplate on of righteousness trying to show everybody how righteous you are? What, and you ain't got no sword. You ain't got no shoes. You ain't got no helmet. Put on the whole armor. Of God. And, and it's the armor of God. It, it's His. It's His. It's not ours. It's His. And it's His because He completely dresses us and prepares it for us. We're going to go through it. Let's go through it. Let me not belabor this too, too long. First of all, the armor was heavy. It was heavy. It was weight. It had weight on it. What does that tell you? That means there's a responsibility you have to it. And that's why he says at the beginning, be strong. And in the power of his might so that you can carry this responsibility. Because you can't do it on your own. You need his strength. There's seven pieces of weaponry given in this scripture. Let's talk through it. Number one, the belt of truth. Having your loins girt about with truth. Now, I'm just going to kind of fly through these, okay, because there's somewhere we need to get this morning. But I want you to take this and and run with it this week, okay? Belt of truth. Having your loins girt about with truth. The belt is usually not the noticeable part of an outfit. As a matter of fact, you don't notice the belt most of the time unless somebody's wearing some flashy belt or a big belt buckle, which we do all the time. 
Um, but normally, you wouldn't notice the belt. But you would notice the belt if they didn't have one. You would notice the belt if they didn't have one. Because the belt holds it all together. The belt, when it's put on that armor, it holds the breastplate on. Like it, it cinches around both sides and it holds it on. It has a clip on this side and this side. One of those clips is for the sword. The other clip is for the shield. Then there's a clip in the back. And that clip in the back is to hold the lance or the spear, which we'll talk about in just a few minutes. And the belt holds it all together. And the other thing about the belt, and I was going to do pictures, but the pictures look really cheesy, so I ditched them. Um, but the, the belt has this long thing that hangs in front here. It's like that. They're leather strips, and they have metal and different things on them. And it's to protect the loins of the soldier. And the reason that's so important is because the, the most important part of the, 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 the soldier was the fact that he could reproduce. And if he wasn't protected, he wouldn't be able to perpetuate the Roman Empire. And so even though he was a fighter, he had to be guarded and protected and protected. Now, the key, the key to this belt is that it was the belt of truth. We're living in an era and a time and a generation where the fight for truth is on. There's never been a greater dilemma as it relates to truth or the revelation of truth than there is right now. Now, is there any question what truth is? Absolutely not. But is there a problem with people buying into what truth is? Yes. You've heard me wear this out before. But there's no such thing as your truth and my truth. There's only the truth. And his name is Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the light. And nobody comes to the Father unless it's by me. So if you ain't buckled up with Jesus, you better be careful. That's number one. Number two, the breastplate of righteousness. Now this, uh, having on the breastplate of righteousness. Now this is the most heavy piece uh, of weaponry that you're going to get. It's the most heavy piece. But it has to be completely fitted for you. It has to be completely fitted for you. Isaiah 64 and verse 6 says that our righteousnesses are as filthy rags in his sight. You don't have righteousness of yourself. It don't matter how good you behave, how many hours you read the word, how many hours you spend in the closet speaking in tongues or coming to church or teaching kids or anything else. Your righteousness is are as filthy rags in his sight. The only reason we get to walk righteous is because there was some bloodshed on Calvary that runs up over our lives. And as a result, that righteousness is imputed to us, which literally means it is credited to our account as righteousness. God shares his righteousness with us so that we can walk in righteousness. Now that righteousness covers every vital organ in the body. Covers the heart, our, our heart, what our heart is. It's only his righteousness that can guard your heart. It's only his righteousness that can guard your lungs and allow you to breathe the breath of life. It's only his righteousness that can do that. And not only that, it was shiny. It was real shiny. 
the breastplate. Why? Because when they would go out to battle in the morning, they would do it in such a way that that sun would hit off that breastplate and blind the enemy with the glare. Because everybody is walking in rank and file and that sun is shining and it's hitting God's righteousness and it's blinding the enemy. The breastplate of righteousness. Number three, shoes, uh, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. It covered the foot all the way to the knee. And this was to protect you from rough terrain and thorny places. But the other cool thing about these shoes, it had these hobnails on it. It had these hobnails. Now, most of the ones you'll see now, they, they have these little nubs on them. But them Roman shoes, they didn't have little nubs. They had two to three inch spikes on the bottom, on the front, and on the back. These shoes were really, really important to the Roman soldier because, first of all, they were a weapon for that soldier. The gospel of peace is a weapon we have in our arsenal. It's a weapon. But not only that, they, the, the key to the Roman army was that you couldn't move them. When they took a stance, you couldn't move them. You couldn't shake them. Didn't matter what you sent their way, they could hold their place. Why? Because they had their shoes stamped into the ground. Them spikes were there, and it gave them traction. So no matter what fear darts the devil tries to throw at you, you remember that you walk in the gospel of peace. You have the peace that passes all understanding, and it guards your heart and mind. Why? Because that fear, that threat, whatever the enemy tries to send your way, I'm... The shield of faith, above all, that's what Paul says, above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. you got a target on your back. The devil's looking for you. And you know, a lot of us, we get going in life, especially the people in this room right now, because you frequent the house of God, and you have a, a cognizant awareness of what God is wanting to do in your life. You have a pursuit of purpose. If that wasn't true, you wouldn't be in the room. That's just the truth. With that said, you have a target on your back. So sometimes the devil ain't in your face all the time. But don't get it twisted. He is hiding in the thickets and in the high places looking for the, the perfect moment that you let your guard down so that he can let go of that arrow. And then out of nowhere it hits you. And you're wondering where it came from. Well, it wouldn't even matter if you had that shield up. wouldn't even matter if you suited up for battle. The thing about this, this, this shield is when you think of shield, most of the time we think of a round shield, right? We think of Sparta, right? Or, or the gladiator or something like that. That's not what the Roman shield looked like. That shield was actually for show when they would go on parades and show their army, whatever. And there's two Greek words for shield. One of them is the round shield. The other one is for a long rectangle shield. Right? And that long rectangle, the root word is actually door. It means door. Like you've heard the term, uh, you're either going to come home uh, with your shield or on your shield. It's because the shield was big enough to carry your dead body home. So it was big. The first thing that would happen when you joined the Roman army is they would measure you out. Because they wanted to know exactly how big to make this shield. Because it covered you from head to toe, left to right. Romans teaches us that to every man is given... A measure of faith. God fitted you perfectly with your shield. When he gave you faith, 
He fitted you perfectly for your shield. Stop saying if I had faith like sister so-and-so had faith. Or if I had faith like pastor so-and-so had faith. No, 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 no. God gave you exactly enough faith. He measured you out perfectly. He measured you out perfectly. What the devil wants to do is, is shoot a dart at you that tells you you're too small. You're too insignificant. You're not strong enough. You're too stupid. You haven't gotten enough education. You made too many mistakes. And you need to stand on the word of God that's been spoken over your life. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the words so you better start saying what he said so that those lies from the devil can get quenched up out of your life you better know that when you get aware of the devil's tactics against your life that he's going to start pulling out them really tough strategies to come up after you so you better have your faith level high do you know how powerful it is when you speak the word of god over your own life there's something solidifying that happens it's one thing to hear the preacher say it it's one thing to have that prayer warrior say it but when you start speaking that word all oh, that shield gets stronger and stronger let your shield lack no oil let your shield lack no oil. That's why you got to get up in the house of God. So that when that oil starts coming down, your faith starts getting galvanized. And ain't no dark coming your way that's going to take you out. It will quench all the fiery darts. It literally means it will extinguish it. He never said them darts ain't coming your way. It just said your faith is so strong it can repel anything that comes at, at you. Helmet of salvation. Take the helmet of salvation. This is the most noticeable piece of the armor because like I said, it has that big feather down and whatever this is over the top. And it covers your ears. It covers the middle of your face. covers your neck. covers your head. It covers your mind. I want to dispel an idea here. Stop fighting for your salvation. Stop fighting for your salvation. Jesus said, it is finished. Oh, you don't believe it. I want to tell you again. When he was on that cross, shedding blood for your sins, he said, it is finished. You are saved. If you profess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is Lord, that he's the son of God, came to earth, died on a cross, was buried and rose again on the third day, you are saved. Jesus said, nobody, no man can pluck you out of my hand. Why? Because the Father puts you there. And no man can take you out. No man can take you. You guys don't want to believe it because religion told you you can backslide. Well, that, you can't backslide. You got to turn around and turn your back on Jesus for you to backslide. You have to purposely walk out. God's hand is too, you think I'm strong enough because of my silly mistake that God can't hold on to me? My God ain't that small. I'm not getting many amens because everybody's worried about the way they used to think. But the truth is, God saved your soul with the blood of Jesus Christ. 
I thank God for that blood. 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 That blood was shed for me. It was shed on Calvary for me. He knew what I would do tomorrow and the next day and next year. And it was strong enough to keep me covered. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. And the way I keep that helmet on is I make sure people notice that I am saved. I want them to look at me and say, that man is a man of God. God owns him. He has him. When I look at that man, I know he's crowned on his head with faith. He's crowned on his head with salvation because God is all over that man. The sword of the Spirit, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Hebrews 4 and verse 12, for the Word of God is quick and it's powerful. It's quick and it's powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. The most dangerous warriors were those that were skilled with the sword. It's with the Word of God that we go on the offensive against the enemy. When Jesus is in the wilderness in Matthew chapter 4, the devil came straightway against him because he knew he was weak. But every single moment, Jesus pulled out his sword and he said, It is written. The problem today is this is the most biblically illiterate generation in history. Everybody likes to come to church, hear the good preaching, come to Bible study, but you don't have no relationship with the Word by yourself. You like to watch the preachers come up here and wield their sword because they do it masterfully, and you think you can go home and do the same thing. You can't do that unless you put the same work in. You have to know how to deal with your sword. Look at them telling my sword, my sword, my sword. My sword, my sword. The power of the Holy Ghost is this. In Genesis, he's hovering. He's hovering. It literally means he's hovering. He's waiting in anticipation. What's he waiting for? He's waiting for the word of God. He's waiting. He's hovering. And as soon as God speaks, things begin to happen. Why? Because it was his, it was his moment to make stuff happen. It's the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Your sword has no it's a dull blade unless you got the Word of God to go with it. Some of you walk around with the Holy Ghost. You got them. You felt them. You felt them all the way down to your toes. You danced in church last weekend. But you ain't got no Word in you. So the devil, the Spirit of God don't have nothing to work with. Study to show yourself approved a workman. Stop going to church and depending on the man of God to give you some kind of word. But pastor, I don't know how to read the word of God. It's too hard. It's too hard because you don't try. It's too hard because you don't try. But pastor, I don't know where to start. I'll give you the easiest way to start. I don't mean to condescend. Please forgive me. You know, the, I'll give you the easiest way to start. Take the word that's being preached. Take notes, go back and listen to the messages and start studying the word that's been given to you and you'll start developing understanding for yourself. You don't have to start in the Psalms. You don't have to start at the beginning. You don't have to start in, in lamentations and get depressed. You don't have to do none of that. 
just start with the word that's being shared with you every week every week Sunday and Wednesday the word is given to you and in this house we eat big old steak meals if you're not leaving with a doggy bag it's you're wasteful When we, when we have our, our barbecues and our parties and all that kind of stuff, you should see how much food. It's obnoxious. Because we, we believe in abundance. I'd rather have more than enough than not enough. Because we're all grumpy people when there's not enough. And we end up in arguments and all kind of other stuff. But what's great about it is everybody leaves with something. Everybody leaves with something. And it could feed us for the next three days. And we're happy to eat it because it's good food. That's what you get in this house every Sunday. That's what you get in this house every Wednesday. You get an abundance. Take it home with you. Eat it. Learn it. Digest it. Get it in you. There's a lot more. All right. So the last, uh, the last, the last weapon, the last weapon is kind of veiled up in that scripture, right? The Roman, I have this and I'm not using it. The, the, the Roman soldier always had a spear or a lance. And when you superficially read this scripture, you just assume that Paul left it out. But because of who he was writing to, he assumed they would know what he was talking about. That's why understanding matters. So when he writes this scripture, he gives those first six, right? The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit. And then the seventh one seems missing, but it's not. Let's read it. Praying always. Praying always. With all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto. With all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Now, this represents the spear or the lance. This is your long-range weapon. And, and he's telling you to watch thereunto with all perseverance and supplication. You need a prayer life. You need a prayer life. If you don't have a prayer life, you're a liability to me. If I'm in relationship with you and you don't have a prayer life, you're a liability to me. Because... What you just told me is I got your back, but you ain't got my back. Because you ain't got a spear or a lance in your hand to take care of that devil if you see him coming at me. Because a prayer, a prayer life is what you can use when you see that devil coming up behind your brother and your sister. And you can hurl that thing and get that devil before he ever gets close. A prayer life, a prayer life, a prayer life. What happened to prayer? What happened to prayer? We think prayer is relegated to eating dinner. And we shame people because they don't pray over their dinner. You shame people because they don't pray over your dinner, but you never wake up and pray yourself. The only time you ever pray is to bless your food because it's taking care of you. 
but you don't even pray yourself. You got to have a prayer life. Prayer is not just petitioning God for things. Prayer is communion with the Lord. That's how you get to know him. That's how you understand his word better. That's how you get to know how to use these tools. That's how you get empowered. You will receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. That happens through prayer. So, we're going to start having corporate prayer. Once a month, on a Tuesday night. We're going to do the first Tuesday of every month, and it starts first Tuesday of August. So our prayer warriors already know about this, and they're going to be in the house. And we're not going to come in here and preach and sing songs and all that. We're going to come in here, and we're going to do what the Bible said. If my people would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from them. And I will heal their land. And I will heal their land. We're out of time. Please stand. We didn't get to the third point. Third point was take a stand. Take a stand. Take a stand. We'll deal with that another time. There are people in this room that you've been getting beat, pardon my language, to hell by the devil. He's been coming at you hard. And that's what the whole third point was, was to encourage you in this. God has given us, he's equipped us with what we need. He has an expectation for us to go forward. But sometimes the reality is, as exciting and encouraging and inspiring as the word can be, man, I just don't have the strength to do it. I don't know what to do. I'm scared. I don't know what this is going to turn out to be. I know God's up to something in my life. And the reason I know that is because out of nowhere, over the last five weeks, the devil has unleashed an onslaught on me and my family's life. And it came out of nowhere. It was like when the disciples started going across that Sea of Galilee with Jesus. And suddenly a storm showed up. Maybe sometime I'll preach on this. But it wasn't a natural storm. It was spiritual. And the language in the Greek shows us that. It wasn't like the wind was blowing the waves one direction. The waves were coming in in all directions. It was a spiritual attack, and it came suddenly. You're going to tell me those fishermen didn't know how to get across that lake? They've done it a million times. They knew how to gauge the weather. And that's how we get. We know how to gauge our life. We know how to sail the seas that God has put us on. We know how to navigate the purpose he set us in. And sometimes out of nowhere, out of nowhere, the devil gets ruthless. And we're wondering, Jesus, are you sleeping? Are you sleeping while I'm going through this? And he gets up and he rebukes the wind and he speaks to the waves. And then he looks at his disciples and he says, fear not. Why are you so scared? Have you no faith? What he's telling them is you could have did this by yourself. Whatever you're going through, whatever storm has come your way, I've come to, to speak and declare over your life. 
that that wind's about to stop. The peace is about to settle upon your life. And just like there was a great storm at that moment, there's going to be a great calm come over you. And I'm prophesying to myself right now. I believe a great calm is coming to my family in Jesus' name because them spirits have no place messing with me or my family and they have no place to mess with you and your family. Jesus died for you. He chose you. He picked you. He picked you out of a lineup. He wanted just you. Nobody elected you. He chose you. Nobody can take you out, not a devil or not no man. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. 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 No weapon. No weapon. No weapon. If you need a miracle in your life, I want you to come down here. If you need a miracle in your life, come down here.